Good afternoon, everyone. So two, uh, two quick notes I want to make about our first two readings, and then we're going to jump into our gospel. Uh, a really cool thing in First Peter, which was our second reading today, is uh, the translation we had at Mass talks about how it says uh, the Jesus, let me just make sure I say it right. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. But just a really neat kind of quick thing here is that the Greek there says the tree. It doesn't say the cross. And here in Easter season and all through our Christian life, one of the things the New Testament is screaming for us to see is that what Christ is doing is he's recreating Eden. He's recreating Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, there are two trees with names. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the other one is tree of life. Way to go, everybody, three of you. My professor, my, if you don't wake up, I can like, embarrass you this mass. So wake up. One of our professors in seminary, Father Hoke, whenever you got an answer terribly wrong, he would be like, yes, brilliant, everyone. The tree of life, yes. And we were like, man, we're bad. Okay, anyway, God is recreating, recreating Eden. That's what he's doing. That's what, and for us, the, the cross, and the New Testament is emphatic about this, the cross is the tree of life. That's what it is. And our first reading today, uh, just really briefly, in Acts chapter 2, so here on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd, and the crowd has this total moment of remorse where they're like, oh my gosh, we killed the Messiah. We killed the Messiah. What should we do? And they turn to Peter and they say that. What should we do? And what I want you to notice is we should know our faith. We should know our faith. How would you answer that question if someone said, oh my gosh, the, the Lord died for my sins, what should I do? A lot of our brothers and sisters in the Protestant churches, they would say, make a confession of faith. That's not what Peter says today. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. Love that. Okay. So recently, uh, my staff and I, we dusted off one of our old, the old master plan for Lords. Do you like that transition? Nice smooth transition here. But for the master plan is about our facilities. So... What's the big vision for this parish? What kind of buildings do we need? What kind of space do we have? All that kind of thing. And so we were revisiting that and looking at some of those things. And we were soliciting feedback from everyone on, in this meeting about, are there things we need to do to make our parish thrive more fully? And pretty much everyone had the same kind of answers. And I was thinking for a minute in that meeting, and I thought... You know, if I could do anything at all, if I could do anything I wanted, if there were no 
um, hindrances in any way, what would I do? And I didn't say it out loud because I'd be ridiculed. So I'm just going to tell you about it in the sermon. But I thought in my mind, you know what I would do? I would build a cemetery. Thank you. Four of you were like, yeah. The 8 a.m. mass, everyone's half asleep at 8 a.m. this morning. And they were all like half asleep as I started. And I said cemetery, and everyone was like. I don't know if you've ever been to a church with a cemetery. It's amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. You walk, you get up to go to church with your family on Sunday, with your family to go to church. And as you come to church, you walk through the cemetery to walk into the doors of your church. And this is very common in the Middle Ages. And it's something we should do more today, I really think. It's a physical statement about the communion of saints. And it's beautiful because in the previous generations that went before us, the men and women who went to our parish, who loved and worshipped God here, who went to Mass every Sunday and were baptized in the same church, they lie in death around the church. There's something really beautiful about that, that they're not disconnected from us. They're a part of our family. I would love that. I would love to be buried in Lourdes. As long as it's not next to Father. <laughs> but, but I would love that. That my whole life, right, all, and all of us, our whole life, the centerpiece is right here. This is the centerpiece of our life. And I would love for it to be something that my life points to uh, here in life and in my death even. Um, there's one church I know of in Colorado, I'm sure there are more, where there is a cemetery right at the church and in Sacred Heart of Mary in Boulder. It's beautiful. Right outside the church, they have this gorgeous cemetery. And uh, I, went, I used to go there a lot in college. I've only done one burial there as a priest. And it was for one of our parishioners here at Lourdes, uh, a guy named Tim Pinnock. Some of you might know him. Uh, a good friend of mine. And uh, Tim died young. He died of colon cancer at the age of 59, four or five years ago, somewhere in there. Um, and here's what I want to explore with you today. Today in our gospel, we have one of the most famous lines in all of Scripture. It's a great one to memorize, John 10.10. Jesus says, Thieves come in only to steal and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I got up this morning, I, I was really behind on homily prep this week, so I wrote my homily this early, early this morning. And I got up, and most of the time when I'm preparing for homilies, I look at the Greek, and I did this morning. And so I looked at the Greek of, of today's gospel, and when Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, now, the Greek word there is perison. And so I got out my, my little Greek dictionary, I know you're jealous, 
And I looked up Parison just to see if there's other translations. And so Parison in the Greek means uh, more, utterly, completely, unnecessary to the full. And it's, in its form as a noun, it means abundance, overflow, pieces left over. And I kind of like that one, pieces left over. What that means, right, is more than enough. So imagine Jesus saying, I came that they might have life more than enough. And I was praying this morning and my mind went to my friend Tim Pinnock. And I thought about how Tim would not say he had more than enough. He died of colon cancer at age 59. His widow lives up in Erie. He has two daughters who are married. I think he has about seven grandkids who are very young. And he didn't get to see them grow up. More than enough. Tim would not say that. And my experience, brothers and sisters, is that most people, when they get close to dying, it's, it's somewhat rare to have someone say, I've had life and I've had it more than enough. Now, usually when people say that, it's kind of something like, yeah, I've had it with you people, <laughs> right? Like, I am done. God, get me out of here <laughs> more than enough, right? Not a positive statement. It's not too often people say that. And one, one more illustration of this. So I've quoted this book before, but it's a book called Being Mortal by a guy named Atul Gawande, who is a, uh, he's a famous surgeon and research scientist, not a Christian. In the beginning of this book, he tells a story about a man that he treated who had uh, very aggressive cancer. And he talks about how his medical training betrayed him so that he could never help people deal with what they actually had to face. And he tells the story of this man who got cancer and went through this long litany of treatments. Radiation and chemotherapy and a number of surgeries and everything they could think of. And he had to go into this man's room and tell him it didn't look good. And he said, there's one more treatment we could, there's one more surgery we could do. One more. But he said, you know, the, the, the danger is really high in this surgery. And in fact, if we do this surgery, it's very likely you're going to have a stroke. And even if it goes successfully, the upside is not very much. So they chose to do it, of course. This man and his son said, let's do the surgery. And so Dr. Gawande says, I believed then that Mr. Lazaroff had chosen badly. And I still believe this. 
He chose badly not because of all the dangers. And this is key. Listen to this. His choice was bad because the operation did not stand a chance of giving him what he really wanted. The operation did not stand a chance of giving him what he really wanted. This is a great little book. I won't read more to you. He goes on to talk about how our culture refuses to talk about death. And the point he makes is that none of us know how to die. And what we do in our culture is we spend exorbitant amounts of money and we put people through painful, torturous operations and procedures to add days and weeks to their life, which at the end of the day is not what any of us want. I came that they might have life and have it more than enough. More than enough. It's hard to imagine, at least for me, it's hard to imagine more than enough. And this isn't even just around the number of days until our death. Psalm 102 is a beautiful psalm. Psalm 102, I was praying with again this morning. In Psalm 102, the, the psalmist cries out to God and he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me and answer me speedily in the day when I call. And here's my favorite line. The psalmist cries out to God and he says, My days pass away like smoke. My days pass away like smoke. I think the more that you age, it's certainly true for me, the longer I live, it seems like the days get faster. And I just want to hold on to them. But they're like smoke. My days pass like smoke. They're here and they're gone. And when I try to grab them, I can't do it. I came that they might have life. And have it more than enough. It's hard to imagine. You know, so many of you come to me, so many Christians come to me and they say, Father Brian, uh, where's God's plan for my life? Because the days are flying by and something's wrong. And could God give me more? Does he have a plan? And, and my, maybe my relationships aren't going great or my, my job isn't going greater, or I just feel like I don't know that my life has much of a purpose to it. I feel like as a priest, the days go so fast and I think, 
Jesus, if I just had more time, I could become holier. I could implement things in the church that would be built up more strongly if I just had more time. I came that they might have life and have it more than enough. Perison, more than enough. So here's the good news, right? You're like, gosh, this is a depressing Easter homily. Here's the good news. In that phrase, this is so powerful. Here in the New Testament, there are two dominant words for life in the New Testament. Two. The first one you all know, the first one is bios. Bios in Greek means, is where we get the word, biology. It's natural life. Jesus does not use that word in this passage. He doesn't use it. You would think he might say, I came that they might have bios and have bios perison. Natural life, unlimited, more than enough. He doesn't say that. Jesus says, I came that they might have Zoane Perison. You know what Zoane is? Zoane is not a chronological thing. It is not mere natural biological life. Zoane is the word that means life, but it doesn't just mean biological. Zoane means fullness of joy. You know when you meet those people and they are just filled with life? That's not bios, that's zoane. And brothers and sisters, here's the good news. Jesus came that you might have <laughs> zoane more than enough. More than enough. When you're dying at the end of your life, there's only one thing you're going to want. You might, you might think it's more days. That's not what you really want. You want the fullness of the life that only God can give. We're in Easter season right now. I want to encourage you. Here's what the world does to every single one of us. The world we knows that we want more happiness, more joy, more fullness. And it offers you things that pass away. A longer weekend, a nicer house, better clothes, even a better marriage. These things are good, but they pass. I came that they might have life and have it more than enough. When Jesus Christ conquered sin and death, he did not rise from the dead to give you a longer life. He rose from the dead to give you eternal joy. 
And the good news, brothers and sisters, is you don't even have to wait. The fullness can't be here in this life. The fullness will be here when we enter into eternity. But Jesus promises us that when we love him, when we surrender to him, when we discover him in our life, it begins today. But here's the condition. What you have to do is you've got to stop pretending those other things are what you were made for. They'll never fulfill you. They will never give you the joy that God can give you. When, when people encounter the joy of the risen Christ, right? You know, I say it all the time. They become annoying Christians. They're so happy they have encountered a fullness It annoys everybody else. I came that they might have life and have it more than enough. Last thing I want to give you today, here's a practical thing with this. This is reason number 8,465 why the church gives us a Sunday obligation. Sunday, the early Christians tell us You don't work on Sunday, and you have a different sort of day on Sundays. Why? Because God is an egomaniac, and he needs you to worship him? No. Because if you don't come to Mass on Sunday and live differently on Sunday, you will forget why you were created. You will live for this world. You will live for things that pass. You will not remember that God conquered death and calls you to eternal joy. Brothers and sisters, today is an Easter day. What a tremendous joy. What an amazing blessing we have as Christians. Jesus, today, Lord, I pray for Tim Pinnock. I pray for all those who have died, my grandparents, all the men and women I have buried in my 12 years as a priest. Jesus, may you give them eternal life. May all of us who are still living, may your life break in right now. Jesus, may we have that life more than enough. Let us now stand and profess our faith.